Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Scouting 5, recapping scouting news from around the world for the week of September 4th, 2023. I'm Scouter Ken, and after much delay, I am once again recording from St. Albert, Alberta. And I guess, as a first note, um, hi, it's been a while since I've posted an episode of Scouting 5, and it's been a while since I've actually sat down with Scouter Colin to do an episode of the Scouting Stuff podcast. Fixing the first problem now, hoping to fix the second problem a little later this week or over the weekend, it will be nice to actually sit down with Colin and have a chat about all the things that happened over the summer, which is, of course, um, a big part of the reason why there haven't been too many Scouting 5 episodes over the summer. From Candersteg to other things going on in my life, I've just been insanely busy. So if you've been missing the Scouting 5 episodes, I apologize. But I'm going to try and restart them, do them with a little more frequency. And here is the first stab at that. I want to end with good news, so I'm going to lead with bad news. Which is to say that there's been some... I'm going to actually lump all three of these stories together, I think, because they all deal with that problem that has unfortunately plagued scouts in Canada and in the U.S. and other youth organizations as well, which is to say the problem of abuse of children by adults. And of course, we've talked at length about the Scouts BSA lawsuit and the settlements that were reached therein, but now there is a new documentary that has hit Netflix. It's called Scouts Otter, and it focuses on what else? The abuse scandal. Quoting Dexerto, In the opening scenes of Scout's Honor, wholesome archival footage plays out as a man named Doug Kennedy describes the images that come to mind when we think of the Boy Scouts of America. It was mom, pop, and apple pie, he says. Memorial Day parades, and the Scout troops would be holding the flag. It was America and patriotism. As the documentary continues, and as Kennedy has bravely spoken about in the past, viewers soon learn that he was one of thousands of Boy Scouts abuse survivors who came forward as the crimes of the long-running institution came to light. It's a bold and shocking opening scene, juxtaposing the brand image the BSA wants the world to see with the sinister truth, decades of abuse against its young members, and an organization that actively buried the claims. Not a lot else to be said. I'm not probably going to watch Scouts Honor myself, but I know it is on Netflix. I've seen some chatter about it on the Scouts Canada Facebook pages. It's a terrifying and horrible chapter in the history of the movement. And unfortunately, it's not something that we have been immune from here in Canada as well, as evidenced by the fact that a former Scouts Canada employee was just very recently sentenced to four years for abusing minors under his care, quoting the CBC. A former Scouts Canada employee is now in custody after being sentenced to four years in jail. John Reitfeld, 70, was charged with, you know what, I'm not going to list the charges, but on any rate, continuing the quote, on July 18th, he pleaded guilty to one count of indecent assault. The remaining charges are withdrawn following his sentencing. The original charges involved an incident with a boy between 1978 and 1980 in Niagara Falls, Ontario, and Mississauga. Alleged incidents involving a girl took place between 2004 and 2005 in Perth, Ontario, and Ottawa. Scouts Canada has previously confirmed that Reitfeld worked as the youth organization's National Executive Director of Communications between 1987 and 1998. He started working for Scouts Canada in 1975. In the sentencing decision, Justice Timothy Lipson agreed with the Crown's position. Reitfeld was morally blameworthy of causing physical and mental pain, which included a psychological damage. And that is the unfortunate truth of a lot of these situations of abuse, all, all of them, really, is that you know, the damage is long-lasting. It's not necessarily apparent at the time, but it's long-lasting. And it's unfortunate that, you know, 
these people do these things that are going to leave these kids, now adults, traumatized for the rest of their lives. One other little bit of news in that regard, this one quoting the Anglican Journal. A proposed settlement for a decades-old abuse committed by a former Anglican priest and Scouts Canada volunteer, Ralph Lowe, reached over the summer, is expected to come before a judge later this month. The proposed settlement deal approved by the plaintiff's representatives, Scouts Canada, and the Anglican Diocese of Kewatin could total up to $13.25 million, according to a copy of the settlement agreement posted on the website of Kosky Minsky LLP, the law firm representing the plaintiffs. It also stipulates that the General Synod shall engage in a consultation process with the impacted Indigenous communities and arrive at a mutually acceptable apology process with Scouts Canada, providing a written apology to anyone requesting it as part of the claims process. Roe was convicted of nearly 60 offenses against Indigenous boys across the Diocese of Kewatin in the 1970s and 1980s, though a 2015 documentary estimated that he may have abused as many as 500 boys. I just, you know, I really have no patience for the people who do this and and very little charity to to offer them it's it's a terrible terrible thing and it's absolutely awful that people would even think to do this to the kids under their care and it's good to see that you know these people are being brought to justice even if it's posthumous justice but still this shouldn't be happening in the first place and it underscores the need for things like you know um the two scouter rule and all of the training and screening that we do now to onboard our volunteers. Right on to some happier news this time out of Algeria, quoting scout.org in a vibrant corner of the Arab region, the Algerian Muslim scouts with contributions from the Arab scout region and the generous support of the world scout foundation and Alawid philanthropies launched the inspiring change makers project to equip young scouts with the necessary skills to serve their communities and become catalysts for positive change. Between 2021 and 2023, the project had a profound impact by empowering young people to amplify their voices and actively shape society. More than 80,000 Algerian scouts and other young leaders took part in various forums, training camps, and scouting activities focused on social entrepreneurship. Through these opportunities, young people learned how to start their own projects, implement them in their communities, and become social entrepreneurs, all with ongoing support and guidance from local leaders to create sustainable impact. Participants had six months to bring their projects from idea to implementation, with the best stories and achievements honored during the National Youth Scout Forum. The Changemakers Project also emphasized effective teamwork and collaboration among a diverse group of youth, fostering an inclusive environment and extending equal opportunities beyond the capital city to young people across Algeria. Kind of a cool thing. Would perhaps suggest checking the Algerian Youth Scout Forum web presence, if it exists, to see if there's a list of some of the projects that were accomplished. Meanwhile, in Saudi Arabia, girls involved in scouting have been volunteering during pilgrim services. Quoting again, scout.org. In Saudi Arabia, more than 150 girls in scouting recently joined fellow Boy Scouts and male Rover Scouts in a united volunteer effort to support the massive effort of serving pilgrims and guiding guests during Al-Hajj season. This is the second largest number of girls in scouting who have supported services during the Hajj season and represents a major milestone since the establishment of girls in scouting within Saudi Arabia. The girls in scouting were selected for their exceptional volunteering skills and actions shown during previous events and community service activities. Through their active role in serving the guests from a diversity of backgrounds, making the pilgrimage to the Holy Mosque, also known as Al-Mashid Al-Haram, the girls in scouting promoted a positive image of Saudi women and showed how young people can make a contribution to their communities as global citizen. It's actually pretty awesome to read stories like this because, of course, the status of women in Saudi Arabia has often been a subject of some international controversy, to say the least. Um, certainly, I was very struck by it when I was there personally uh, for work years ago. 
and just seeing, you know, sort of the very different and surprisingly different way that women appeared as people in public. Um, so this is really awesome to see that, you know, they're actually now being given or <laughs> now that they're able to take part in opportunities like this. It's quite awesome. Of course, over the summer, I was at Cantor 100. Uh, it was awesome to meet people there, including a few podcast listeners, handed out some podcast stickers. And I would say overall, the event went off really, really well. No news stories to quote for it. I'll just put another link to the Cantor 100 website in the show notes. But um, and I'm not going to give you too much of a summary here because, you know, I do want to sit and have that discussion with Colin. But suffice to say, had a great time. Uh, it was a grand experience, and I would happily go back to Kisk and to Switzerland in general in a heartbeat. If you have never been to the Cantor International Scout Center, find any excuse to do so. It is an amazing place, truly. Of course, Cantor 100 wasn't the only jamboree that took place over the summer. 43,000 scouts from around the world attended the World Scout Jamboree in South Korea from 158 different countries. Kandersteg, by comparison, had uh, 1,600 people from 62 countries. Quoting Scout.org briefly, just to give you an overview of what the event was supposed to be like, the event, being hosted by the Korea Scout Association with support from government partners and local authorities, will take place, this was written before the Jamboree, from 1st to 12th August on a 3,000-acre campsite in Se-Man-Gyum, over the course of 12 days, young people in between the ages of 14 and 17 will have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to take part in a wide range of educational programs and outdoor adventure activities that promote peace, sustainability, cross-cultural exchange, and leadership skills. Of course, if you were following the news, you know that it didn't quite turn out that way. The jamboree was well underway, but unfortunately, uh, by about the 3rd or 4th of August, um, it became apparent that the weather was not going to cooperate with them. And in particular, uh, an extreme heat wave, lots of humidity swept in, prompting Wasm to issue several different statements over the course of the next few days regarding the state of things at the Jamboree site. And it got quite bad. Um, at one point, Wasm asked the host to consider alternative options to end the event earlier. Different national contingents were mobilized off of the Jamboree site, uh, either to Seoul, the capital city, or to, uh, I think the Americans went to a military base. Um, the government of Korea informed Wasm that they would be uh, offering expedited departures from site, but then also stepping in to ensure that things at site were up to the standard that was really expected. It was evidently quite a bit of a ball drop by the Korean Scout Association in terms of setting up for and hosting the event. And then to make matters worse, apparently there was a tropical storm that was going to, or a typhoon that was going to blaze through. Um, so the closing ceremony was held, I think, a day earlier than planned. Uh, it wrapped up on the 11th rather than the 12th. Big closing ceremony and a K-pop concert in the Seoul World Cup Stadium, rather than at the Jamboree site. So, a lot of different challenges, and sort of a mixed bag of responses by the Korea Scout Association, the Korean government. Um, I'm seeing now, you know, on the Scouts Canada Facebook group, uh, like the I Survived WJ 2023 badges and stuff like that. And I'm sure that, you know, there's still going to be a lot of memorable experiences that came out of it, but it's just, it's very unfortunate that the Jamboree shook out in this way and that uh, 
it was plagued by as many problems as it was. Now, here's a bit of news that we don't always get to do on this show, mostly because scouting is in most of the countries around the world already. Anyway, there's very few that don't have scouts. But as of the 9th of August, there is one more. Scoutismo Congolais joined the global scout movement as the 174th member organization of WASM. Quoting scout.org, who else? World Scouting Today welcomed Scoutism Congolais as the 174th member organization of the World Organization of the Scouting Movement, further expanding the impact of scouting across Africa. Scouting first started in, the, in Congo in the 1930s, introduced through French scouting initiatives, and was primarily offered in public and private schools. In 1965, scouting was banned by the government and did not re-emerge again until the ban was lifted in 1991, following a period of political reform. This move enabled scouting to flourish once again, and in 2012, nine scout associations came together to form Mouvement du Scoutisme Congolais, an umbrella organization that played a crucial role in maintaining a strong connection with WASM and enabled the growth and development of scouting across the country. Over the past decade, with support from the World Scout Bureau's Africa Support Center, the National Scout Organization worked to establish its governance structures, develop a constitution, gather census information, enact key policies and financial management systems, and offer a quality education program to scouts in line with WASM's standards for membership. In March 2023, the organization was officially renamed Scoutisme Congolais, marking a significant milestone in its development and journey towards WASM membership. So that's awesome. And it's maybe best then to end on another story out of Africa, this time from Senegal, quoting, one more time, scout.org. Since 2018, an idea has been sprouting in the hearts of young Senegalese scouts, the need to ensure and promote a healthy and sustainable environment. Young people who represent the generation that will inherit our planet understand deeply the importance of protecting it. For them, understanding and acting for the environment is not just one activity among others. It is a mission, a duty. From the start, there were plenty of obstacles. When they requested 500 trees for their reforestation initiatives, they only received 150. Rather than give up, the project participants decided to start their own tree nursery. They therefore learned how to cultivate the trees, from seed collection to germination, including repotting and sowing. Since then, their project has directly impacted more than 5,000 people across the six regions of Senegal. The project was structured around five major activities to maximize its impact. The establishment of nurseries, training 400 scouts, uh, specifically to raise public awareness of the importance of preserving the environment, creation of green spaces, four green spaces have been created and laid out, community awareness and school engagement, and targeted and sustainable reforestation. I just, I just love that scouting initiative right there. You know, it's like, hey, we need 500 trees. Well, I can give you 150. Cool. I guess we will learn how to grow trees ourselves efficiently and effectively. <laughs> that's, uh, that's what you do in scouts, right? Ready for any old thing. And that is all the news I have for you this week. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, be prepared. Be prepared.